0: Welcome to the Woman Up
1: podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back. We'll be doing an episode on anxiety more broadly later in the season, but today's episode will touch on a more specific form of anxiety, dating and romance. Everyone enters the dating scene at a different time or phase in their life. Although Disney and Netflix would have us believe that kids commonly date as early as elementary or middle school, that's not the case for everyone. Some of you may remember the panic that would set in as one's friends found significant others or began to flirt confidently with peers. Or maybe you were that person who romance and relationships came easily to. The three of us were relatively late bloomers when it came to the dating scene. I didn't begin dating until I was a senior in high school. Some of my friends had started getting together with classmates when I was 12. I kept waiting, expecting romance to find me, but by junior year, I was getting worried. I wondered why it was that so many of my classmates had had one or several relationships, and I hadn't even had one yet. Then my senior year, I felt like it was too late for me to have initial dating experience because I'd be leaving for college in a year. I did end up meeting someone my senior year and was able to bumble my way through my first relationship. And looking back, I regret all the time I spent anguishing over my romantic life or lack thereof. Despite entering the dating scene late, I've had some really great and meaningful experiences. Ashwini, Heather, when did you have your first kiss?
2: Um, I was 16. I also remember being really relieved that it had finally happened. Um, I was a junior in high school at the time, and he was the boy I was going to prom with. So naturally, you know, we watched a movie in my basement and kissed. And it was, it was a good first kiss. Mm-hmm. Was there a second?
0: Yes, there was. amazing um I I was 18 I had just started college um so it was about a month into college and it was with someone who lived in our dorm um and it was actually mutual friends with like me and Heather um yeah, it was fine. I was kind of nervous because it was later than most people, and I remember going to Heather saying, like, how do I kiss? Like, what? what is this concept? Like, I don't know what to do. Um, but it was fine. It was fine.
3: Yeah, I was 17, and I remember thinking – I remember it so vividly, even now, and it was disgusting. Like, it was just wet, and I just oh, – I took God. a year hiatus after that because I was just like, I don't – I mean, the boy was perfectly fine and nice, um, but I just –
0: I was scarred. Oh my gosh. That's not good. That's not good.
3: No, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great first kiss.
0: Um, so
3: much for all the hype. Yeah, seriously. I've always whenever I ask friends too about their first kiss, I hear answers across the board. Some are really great and some are really terrible, and some are in between. But um, when did you both start being romantic? Was it
2: serious at first or casual? Um, so like because of prom, basically I had some more casual relationships, um, in high school. I wouldn't really even call them relationships. They were romantic interactions. (laughs) Um, but after high school, I did a gap year, which I've mentioned before, um, in Germany and I dated a nice German boy. He was a little bit older than me, um, and really patient with me both in my like, inability to speak German. I say frequently that thanks to him, I learned a German. <laughs> um, and he was also, you know, just like really sweet. And even even though we weren't actually very compatible on a human level, um, he was a good first boyfriend and he, he was good. Mm-hmm.
0: What about you, Ashwini? So I don't think I was very serious about dating until maybe... Toward the end of college, maybe like 21, 22, I think before that it was more of meeting people and seeing if I connect with them, but not not for anything very serious. And I think that toward the end of college, I started to consider like who would be someone that I could consider as a partner, someone that I really would like to have longer conversations with, not just surface level conversations. Um, yeah, but until then it was pretty I was pretty casual about dating and being romantic what about yourself? Uh, as I said
3: before my first relationship happened in uh, high school my senior year and it started I'd say fairly casually I just wanted to get it over with like that first initial relationship Um, but it grew into a four year relationship so I ended up becoming very serious it was my Mm -hmm. longest term um, relationship so far I guess yeah the longer ones crop up where you least expect them. Like a well-watered plant,
2: one might say. Do
3: you not expect your well-watered plant. You're watering the plant. Of <laughs> expect it oh, to okay. the Never, mind. Never <laughs> mind. Maybe it
2: gets more sun than the other
3: plants. Yeah, well, plants are a mystery. I I've overwatered several of my plants, which I didn't really know was a thing.
2: I've done the same. And then I got fungus gnats. Really make sure you oh, don't overwater. I don't know what that especially is. Especially I don't want to know. It's a real nuisance. Gotcha. Oh, dear. Uh, Okay.
3: Well, why... Let's start with Ashley. Why were you a late bloomer, do you
0: think? So I think in high school, I was pretty focused on school and my, like, extracurricular activities, like specifically doing Indian classical dance. Um, And definitely in middle school and high school, I've had crushes, and I've done, like, the casual flirting or what I thought was flirting over what was it, AIM, AOL's, like, messenger service, (laughs) and, uh, like, text and stuff, but I don't think I really pursued any of it, because a part of me also felt like I wasn't very attractive or something, like, I lacked a certain confidence in terms of my appearance, Mm -hmm. and I felt like I wasn't attractive in terms of my high school standards, and we were talking about this earlier, like, off of the podcast, but... I feel like when you are going to the same school with people from your middle school and in high school, the standards of attraction, like the like people's physical appearance, that attraction carries over from the standard set in middle school into high school. and I feel like it's very hard to break out of that when you're comparing yourself to that standard of beauty that has existed in middle school and high school. but then I think when I went to college in New York city, that really helped with my confidence because I was seeing beautiful people that didn't really look like that high school standard. Um, and I think that just gave me more confidence in my own appearance Mm -hmm. and putting myself out there in a romantic sense.
2: I, uh, super agree with that. When we were having this middle school to high school discussion, um, I, I say that, I'd say that in fifth grade, I became like the height and size that I currently am as a 25 year old. Um, So I've been like, you know, five, six since I was 12. And when you're 12 and the 12 year old boys are maybe five foot two it's not super cute to be five, six. Um, so, you know, I always, and I don't know, as a girl, you think a lot about your size and I was like, I was big and athletic and I, I don't think that was, um, the standard of beauty that, you know, existed in middle school and carried on through high school. Um, but I've also been, I, I consider myself a very focused person. Um, And I've always been kind of called the mother of any group that I'm a part of. Um, And I think that I'm very fun and carefree when I want to be. But I'm also like, I I am, but I'm also (laughs) very focused. Um, And I think in terms of the relationships that are kind of air quotes supposed to exist in high school um, or middle school, you know, being serious about your studies or your sports or your future isn't considered attractive, but don't worry, it becomes attractive later on. Good quality to have overall. I was also very religious um until about tenth grade, which wasn't common where I was living. Um, and I, I definitely think that was turn off
3: mhm. Yeah, it seems as though we all have the trait in common that we were studious, nose in a book early on. I would add on to mine that I was a bit reclusive and a weirdo for sure. Heather can attest to that. And
2: um, in, in the best way, but
3: yes, she yeah, was a weirdo. Some really strange quirks, still have them. Uh, I also would say that I didn't really show any like outward interest in dating because flirting did not come naturally to me, and I was objectively terrified. I didn't want to put myself out there. I didn't think of myself as an attractive sexual being. Um, and I just didn't know. I had crushes, like Ashwini said, but I didn't know how to approach people and how to initiate anything. Um, mm-hmm. I remember my first boyfriend, he he knew I was a late bloomer and he was not. And he waited a couple months into our relationship to even kiss me because he could see how terrified I was. He didn't want to scare me away. So
0: That's very nice of him.
3: Yeah, yeah. He was very patient with me. I appreciated that. He was a great first boyfriend in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've said, we've established that we're all late bloomers. What are pros to being a late bloomer to the dating scene? And what are some cons?
0: So I think some definite pros that I've ex- I've experienced. Um, the first one is that I've gained confidence in myself. And we spoke about confidence in our last podcast episode. But I think that in relationships, oftentimes, if you get into a relationship before you have truly defined who you are and what is important to you, then I feel like oftentimes you can lose who you're yourself and who you are when you're in that relationship. And it's really easy to fall into the patterns of the other person instead of really embracing your own interests. So I think that was a very, I think that's a positive of being a late bloomer. You know, like you're finding yourself first. Um, And I guess a con that I felt Um, might be that I I felt that I I was constantly comparing myself to other people like oh she already like kissed this many these many boys or like they're they're doing all of this stuff like should I be doing this kind of stuff Um, and I think I put unnecessary pressure on myself to act in a certain way or try to act in a certain way and put myself out there when I just wasn't ready for it and I didn't really want it at that time
2: I uh, definitely echo the importance of being able to be confident in yourself. Um, Not only being confident before you start your relationships, but just like, you know, having the time to grow your confidence, I think is really important. And I do think that high school um, is one of the most important times for that growth. Um, Another important thing is that you know when you're at school especially the teacher in me right is coming out here when you are at school your number one priority should always be learning um and you know maybe it's not always learning the algebra I'm teaching you which breaks my heart but there's a lot of self-growth as we've mentioned and social learning um that you can do in school so it's academic it's social it's personal but School's not really a romantic setting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and another pro of waiting is that once you are a little bit more confident and you are older in your dating, you can have a lot better communication and conversations, and your relationships can just be a lot more meaningful um, and a lot more respectful of one another's goals. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really important that you're respectful of one another's goals and that you do things to facilitate growth for one another in relationships. Um, in terms of cons, you know, it was sad when Taylor Swift would sing about being 15 and loving someone. And I was like, wow, I love this song, but I, I can't relate Taylor Swift. That, that was hard for me. And, uh, my first heartbreak was in college and I think maybe had it been in high school, I would have dealt with it a little bit better. Um, Cause you know my mom could have hugged me <laughs> easier, <laughs> but it was it was fine. Um, but you know, I, pros and cons for sure.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I don't have much to add. I would just say similar to what you were saying about if you enter the dating scene later, um, maybe you're more confident. I would say I was more comfortable with myself. So same similar vein, and mm-hmm. that I was able to navigate insecurities and or awkward moments with my partner better because I just was able to be comfortable enough with myself to also be comfortable with them and kind of skate through some awkward moments better. Um, And also a con would be that all the time I wasn't dating, I just spent time overanalyzing and inflating how uncomfortable a first kiss would be and a first date would be. And the longer I waited, the more apprehensive I think I became.
0: Um, I also wanted to add something that I think might be different for many viewers of our podcast to like our own experiences. So when we were growing up, the main things that I feel like may have influenced us in our uh, what we saw as romantic relationships would have been like Disney Channel and also Facebook, because that was starting to really be something that came up like it was on the rise when we were in high school and Instagram kind of. But I feel like right now, teenagers, like a lot of them, a lot of people are experiencing social media platforms like TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, and everything is like right at your finger's touch and content just moves so much faster. So there's a lot more things that may influence you Mm. uh, and pressure you, um, which is just something to keep in mind, I think. That might be a little bit different
3: yeah, I think dating has evolved a lot since maybe when we first started, even though that wasn't
2: that long ago. Right. (laughs) Um, that's so true. In terms of what Ashwinnie just said about the, like, whenever I think about Snapchat in particular, I think about it being a highlight reel, like a movie montage of someone's best moments, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, kind of like with the Taylor Swift songs like obviously her whole life isn't just heartbreak and like romantic highs I don't know maybe but um, I think it's also important to realize when you're using social media that it is just a highlight reel and you know if you're sitting at your desk doing work or if you're sitting in your jammies with your mom like on the couch Other people are doing that too. That's just not what they're putting on their social media, you know? Mm
3: -hmm. So we've all, we've been dating for a few years or however many years now, and we've had different relationships, been in and out of relationships. Do you think dating gets easier?
2: Yes, it gets so much easier for so many reasons. Um, The first thing I thought of when you were asking that question was the fact that our Parents used to drive us to... I never went on one of these dates, but I remember my friends going on these dates. (laughs) Their parents would drive them to the movies and, like, drop them off and, like, shop around the mall for two hours and then bring them home. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're a kid, there are just so many weird dates like that. And also, like, now, I would never elect to go to a movie for a date because I can't get to know someone that way Um, so now that I've been on dates I know the kind of dates that I like Um, like I like more active dates um, or dates where we're you know, consuming yummy food and drink or something like that Mm -hmm. Um, and also when you're older it's a lot easier to go on dates with people who aren't super integrated into your social circles because you know if you're going on a date with so-and-so from your class over there everyone else is going to talk about it and know about it and want to know how it went and there's just a lot of pressure on that but as an adult I don't feel all that pressure because you know Mm. it's more casual if it goes poorly you never have to see them again if it's great awesome if you get to see them again that's a perk
0: yeah I, I totally agree with the first part of um not wanting to go on a movie date like why why would you just go to a movie and sit next to someone and then you watch the movie for like an hour and a half and then you're like cool I got to know nothing about you maybe we'll do this again like it like or like I know that you like diet Coke right. <laughs> now what? Um, so I, I totally agree with that I feel like Dating does get easier in that regard. You, like, actually understand what you like to do on a first date. So for Heather, it's something like doing something active or outdoors. Um, I personally like to have, like, a coffee chat kind of conversation, you know, like a little networking situation. <laughs> well, not really, but, you know, I feel like it's a very non-committal way of getting to know someone. And if you don't like them, then it's like, cool, we, like, had a cool conversation maybe, maybe not. And it is what it is. But otherwise, you can actually do something a bit more intricate after that initial coffee chat. And Mm -hmm. in addition to that, I feel like the more and more dates you go on, the better that you get at actually the dating experience and having conversations with people just inherently by putting yourself out there, talking about yourself and your interests and knowing what questions to ask other people because let's just say you're really interested in someone who is artistic, whether that be through music or art or whatever it is and you're able to connect on that level. I feel like the more experience that you have, you'll like understand what questions are important for you to ask the other person. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and the more things you've done, the more experiences you've had. You have more to bring up in a conversation, and they'll think, "Oh, this person's so interesting. They've seen yeah. and done so much." Uh, I, I yeah, echo also that the statement that you know, going to the movies is a terrible idea. I also think the small town that Heather and I grew up in, there was only <laughs> one restaurant to go to. If you ever wanted to go on a date, you either went to the movies or you went to this small restaurant. And I was a trembler. I, like, could not – I was a shaker, and I just kept thinking, oh, my God, like, they're going to notice my fork is shaking. I'm going to miss my mouth. (laughs) Like, eating – even eating, I thought, was a terrible idea for a first date. And now I think I go for more a stroll in the park, or I have a dog, let's go get a coffee or a tea and walk around, check out the city – um, so definitely similar to both of you. I think something more active where you can have a good conversation and there's not as much pressure to either put
2: food in my mouth or watch a movie. Um, I just wanted to note the fact that I don't think anyone ever has had the fear of their fork <laughs>
0: traveling <laughs> on Wait, a first no, date. I, I feel <laughs> like I agree with this because, oh I, yeah, like, I mean, I think if you're really nervous and you're like, Where's the straw going to go? Like, where is, where is, is and also not just yeah. is the fork going to miss the face, but is the item going to fall off of the fork, and then am I going to have to go for it again? Am I, do oh, I step yeah. in my
1: teeth?
2: This is something I have never once considered in my life, but the next date that I go on, I am 100% going to start trembling and shaking my fork because of this conversation.
3: That's what I'm I'm talking about with all the years that passed, I hadn't gone on a date. That's the kind of stuff that stuck in my mind that I overanalyzed. I was like, oh no, my spoon, my fork. Um, Anyway, even if your fork did tremble, it wouldn't matter, but it probably won't. (laughs) Um so what sorts of things have you learned from being in a relationship? Positive or negative?
0: Um I think that the biggest thing that I learned is how to communicate with someone else. You communicate with your friends and that somehow comes more naturally, but when you're in a relationship there's a different kind of communication that has to take place. So that's the big one for me. But another one um is having time for yourself. I think it's really important to have some time where you are still independent and you're doing things that are for yourself and that help progress your own passions and that you don't necessarily have to do everything together. Like it's great to do a lot of things that you share in common together. Like if you both enjoy hiking, doing that together. But if you like reading a book indoors and they like reading a book outdoors, then you should just do what you like to do. You know, like. Uh, there's time for you to be together, and there's also times to do things for yourself. And then another thing that I, I've learned um, from being in a relationship is that different people have different love languages. So I'm sure you've all heard of that love language test, right? If
2: I had it all... as a young person. There are like the five different love languages. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I think one. It's relatively new. Yeah. Like the past that... few years, right?
3: Mm
0: hmm. Yes, idea. Yeah. But, I mean, if you are the kind of person who likes getting gifts and the other person is the kind of person that shows their love by um, giving you words of affirmation, then maybe this is something to, you know, communicate about because it might not necessarily be what you expect, but this is how they give to you. Mm -hmm. So it's, again, communication, but...
2: Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the five love languages, for those of you who don't know them, I, I just gave it at Google. Um, they're words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Those are, like, the five love languages, but, you know, I'm sure there are other sections if you broke it down further. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's... I think just having that conversation and it might change, you know, it might change based on like where you are in your life. Um, especially, you know, now with COVID, I think a lot of people are facing challenging things and maybe words of affirmation isn't so important to them in a regular time, but in a period where they're feeling low, maybe that's more important. And, you know, even if those love languages change, um, It's just important to communicate with your partner to be like, hey, I need more of this or I'm trying to show you love by doing this. Um, That kind of stuff. I I totally agree with that.
3: I think I learned how to be a partner and particularly a less self-centered partner. I think I learned how to consistently consider another person which I hadn't really done before or if I had, I'd done it in a different way for friends. Um, And I had to learn how to think about someone's emotions, their schedule, how to compromise, how to apologize. Um, Yeah. So I learned a lot from being in relationships.
2: Um, I think a lot of what we know about love comes from our families. Um, And I, you know, I love my family. I grew up in a family where our Love is crazy strong. Um, and because our love is crazy strong, I think my family can really get into some rough kind of communication in a way that, you know, is fine because we all like would never question how much we love one another. Um, so that was something that I learned that, especially if your partner is coming from a different family background than you, um, you know, like words might be more hurtful to them or periods of absence might be more hurtful to them. So um, I think that's an important thing in terms of communication, like what is stronger or weaker in terms of what you see in a loving relationship.
0: Um, I also agree that family background or upbringing or the way your family is can affect the way you are in a relationship. As an only child, I think that I found it very difficult in college to compromise especially freshman year that's when like the transition happened from not really compromising getting getting what I wanted because I was an only child to learning how to compromise and this was a transition that I felt primarily in my friendships before any romantic relationships. So there are times when Heather would want to go to a certain place uh, to go get dinner, but I would be like, no, 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 let's go to this one. And I had a very tough time compromising, but over time, I think I learned, right? Yeah. And I think,
2: you know, it, you definitely weren't like a jerk about it ever. Um, I I do remember though, um, like, for example, my, our friend Anthony and I maybe would be like, Hey Ash, when you like come out to dinner, we're going to so-and-so. And if it wasn't a place you liked, you just wouldn't come. And it wasn't, yeah. it's not like you were mean <laughs> and demanded that we went somewhere that you wanted to go, but you just wouldn't come. And we'd be like, we want to hang out with you. Like, Let's make a compromise. Yeah, exactly. And And yeah. I mean, you definitely did end up doing that. It just, at first, we were like, why isn't she coming out with us? <laughs> yeah, I, I had the same problem, actually,
3: actually. Like, probably mm-hmm. as the youngest child, I also really struggled with compromise. And I had a boyfriend tell me once that, you know, it doesn't always have to be your way, and that like, you have to give sometimes. Mm-hmm. So looking back now, would you have changed your romantic timeline? Let's start with Heather.
2: Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, no, I mean, I think things turned out fine. Um, I can't really know how things would have been um, in the counterfactual world, right? Um, And, you know, I I don't consider myself, you know, terrible at things. Um, But I I do um, look back and wish that I had done some more kind of, like, casual dating, especially in college, um, you know, kind of in line with all of us being really studious. I I did have relationships in college, um, but I, I, I never dated any of my peers. I only ever had relationships with people who were outside of our very, very large college. Like, I, I could have dated a peer and not had them been in my immediate social circle, um, but I just, like, I think I'm bad at integrating my worlds together like that. Um, and I mean, I'm still a young person, I guess. Maybe maybe I'll keep working on that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think I have any regrets. Um, you know, hashtag no regrets. Because uh, it brought me to where I am now. Um, and it. I, I think that... At certain points in my dating history, especially in the beginning, I think I was not very confident. So I was less direct with some people. But then I think I tried to compensate for it. And then I was very direct with other people. And I think I finally found a balance of how direct I need to be with people in terms of my wants and my needs. And I think that's just something that comes with experience. But I don't think I would have changed anything in my romantic timeline for that that was just a growing and learning experience Mm -hmm.
3: I I don't regret not dating earlier either but I do regret being so apprehensive and not being not wanting to be the one to initiate or to ask someone on a date because I think I probably passed up on opportunities that would have been
2: a great way to get to know people Uh, but overall I mean it worked out so in high school, I never initiated anything because I was afraid of things, I guess. I don't know. But after I had had my first relationship, um, I was really comfortable initiating things. Mm-hmm. And that's um, that's something that I want our listeners to hear. Um, maybe it's something that, you know, you need to have your first relationship to feel confident in. But I think it's really cool um, to be a woman who initiates things. Um mm-hmm. Especially if you consider, like, yourself to be a confident person. And that's something that if if you are proud of your confidence, you're probably going to want to date someone who admires the fact that you're confident. Um, I think all healthy relationships should, um, you know, support the partner's confidence. So, you know, don't let anything hold you back from initiating something that you want to initiate because that's cool and your partner should see it as cool too. And if they don't, then they're probably not for you. (laughs) That's a great point. I like that. If you had the chance to
3: say something to a person who's worried that they may be a late bloomer, what would you say, Ashwini?
0: I would say to not worry too much because everything happens when it's meant to happen So don't put pressure on yourself for something to happen before you're ready for it to happen. Um, And this isn't something that defines who you are. You are a sum of a bunch of other things that are not this one fact, you know? Like, there are other things that make you who you are, and this doesn't define you. And I also think, like, when you're young, you're still figuring out what you're attracted to. Maybe you're attracted to someone's intelligence in a like an emotional intelligence kind of way. Or maybe you're attracted to their, their wisdom that they might have. And as you grow, you learn about this type of thing. So don't pressure yourself to be attracted to what everyone else is attracted to. Try to figure out what you are personally attracted to as an individual.
2: Mm-hmm. Heather? Um. That's that's a really good point that Ashwani just said. I remember everyone in middle school being like, oh my God, like this new boy is coming into our class. We are all <laughs> going to try to date him. And Emma, I'm sure can recall, we called dibs on boys. There were a lot of really weird like <laughs> middle school things. Um, but like, that's how stupid is that, right? Like yeah. no way should everyone be attracted to the same person. That just speaks so much to how silly we were. Yeah, <laughs> you not. should also never claim a person for yourself. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, oh, middle middle school. school is a rough time. If you are in middle school and you are listening to this, your life is going to get so much better in just a few years, and you're mm-hmm. just going to be so much stronger because you endured middle school. <laughs> yeah, I something like that. Yeah, (laughs) Um, but my my actual advice for people who worry that they might be late bloomers is that your life is not a movie right your life is an entire lifetime and it's way longer than 120 minutes so don't worry if things don't happen exactly according to some schedule Um, it'll all come in due time and it's fine if there are dull moments or moments when you feel like You know, maybe the romantic part of your life isn't being fulfilled. Um, Also, you are beautiful and amazing and wonderful. Yeah, I think
3: um, I would say that love happens while you are living life, doing the things you enjoy. Try not to expend too much energy worrying about your love life. Focus on things you're interested in. And someday a person will recognize you as a kick-ass individual and you'll recognize a kick-ass individual in them, and you want to get to know each other a little more. And that's the most natural progression of things that I can think of. I'd also point out that, luckily, it seems as though the media is starting at least a little bit to normalize late bloomers. I'm thinking of a lot of Netflix movies and shows like The Kissing Booth or The Half of It or Never Have I Ever, and they're, the media is starting at least to show some examples which are I think, more common than what they used to show. And I'm I'm happy for that.
2: And in that, too, I think the media is doing a way better job um, for this generation than they were for our generation and showing, like, a broader spectrum of love. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. All the love, Mm -hmm. I think, that we saw in our youth was, like, super heteronormative. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's really, really positive that the media is shifting to just a way more inclusive kind of love. Absolutely. As we're nearing
3: the end of our episode, I'd like each of you to give one song recommendation, one for a romantic low and one for a romantic high.
2: My low is actually a song that I discovered recently in a prolonged low part of my life um, called Leave the Pieces by The Wreckers. Very good. This is so good. I recommend listening to it on repeat as much as you can even if you're not in a low point just like internalize it so that when the low point comes you are a strong woman and you can say no no no
0: get out of here oh nice Mm -hmm. um milo is a little more of like a mellow low so it's somebody else by the 1975 I feel like it's just, it's a great song to, you know, like, it's a rainy day out, you're feeling kind of kind of sad, you put some headphones on, and you're like, somebody else, you know, like, ah, oh, yeah, that's my low, that's my low song.
3: I had a really hard time picking for the lows, but I ultimately decided on a tie uh, for Chikatita by ABBA, because mm-hmm. I think it's a really great song of friends coming together and lifting each other up when times get hard, and reminding each other of the good times. And then the second one would be Both Sides Now by Joni Mitchell, which is a more mellow, kind of contemplative song, which I also like.
0: Mm, Nice.
2: Uh, I, um remember Emma recommending Chikatita to me during a low part of my love life and she and I were living super far away from one another at the time and I remember just driving in my car and like sometimes that would come on and I'd be like oh like Emma's here with me everything's fine um so yeah thanks Emma anytime it's a great song highly recommend
3: uh what about your high song
2: Um, so this is one that I have recently discovered and I'm really into this. I thought this one was harder to choose because I don't know, it's harder. Like when you're in a high of your love life, I, at least I'm the kind of person that's not like, I need a song to celebrate this. Um, but in low points, I definitely do turn to music more actively, but my high song is the weirdo remix by this artist called Noembe. Mm -hmm. very good artist um and this song in particular the the vibe is basically just like you're a weirdo and we're perfect together and i'm so glad that i found you and it's it's just a good kind of like
0: upbeat song would recommend it's it's kind of vibe yeah Yeah. nice Mm Um, So my high song is by the Marias, which is a really cool group from, I think, SoCal, if you're not familiar with them. So highly recommend the Marias in general. But the song is called Cariño, which is basically just like a straight-up love song. Like, I love you. You love me. You're my love. Like, it's just so pleasant. And, you know, like, dim the lights, have a glass of wine, just sit by the fire, and you're just like, you're my love. Or not wine if you're not 21. If you're not 21, <laughs> sparkling water, please.
3: <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a song I'd like to listen to. I'll have to look up that song after this. Uh, my High it. is Still Falling for You by Ellie Goulding. Have either of you heard it? I don't think so. I don't know, yeah. It's, it's at least tied to uh, the Bridget Jones diary. I think it's a second film. But it's it's great. It's it's poppin', as they say.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe
3: mm-hmm. youth may not say that
0: anymore. Whatever. Yeah, no. That, but, that um, song by uh, what's his name, Jack Harlow. What's poppin', Brandon? Oh, yeah. What just poppin'? Oh God, people are cringing right now. Wow. I
2: thought of the lip gloss song. Like <laughs> my lip gloss be poppin'. My lip gloss is yes, cool. cool. Yeah, that's
0: what I thought about too.
3: Uh, great song. Um, In any event, it sounds cliche. But everyone approaches love life in their own way and at their own pace. And that's absolutely okay. There are so many variables. We're here to tell you that although we were late bloomers, things worked out. Thanks for listening.
2: We hope you enjoyed episode three of Woman Up. If you really enjoyed it, share Woman Up with your friends and family and coworkers and your dog. Hope to see you guys next week. Thanks, y'all.